amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Game changer in the house, RSG Real Sports Guys, Renegade Radio. We are on the new show, new format here called Hustle and Flows. Uh, this is where myself and a new addition to the RSG fam, my man Sekou. Sekou, how you doing tonight, brother? Good, man. Good. Pleasure to be here. Glad to have you on. So Sekou is a is a is bringing a, a hip hop flavor to the RSG family, um, and he and I, both being hip-hop heads, are going to collaborate um, and begin this collaboration. We're going to do a new show where we kind of mesh uh, hip-hop talk, sports talk, all into one nice hour package for all of the uh, RSG people out there who want to talk music, um, but also like to talk a little sports. Um so most of our talk, though, is going to be music, and we're going to get into a lot of things tonight. We have a great show in store for you all. So just sit back, relax, and let us do what we do for the next 40 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to keep it live. We're going to keep it hype, and we're going to keep it rolling. Now, Sekou, uh, you want to tell the folks a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of tell your story, kind of how you got into hip-hop, um, kind of your background, things that you, you enjoy and you like doing and kind of where you're at with everything as far as how hip-hop goes. Gotcha. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Brooklyn kid, born and raised, uh, ra- you know, born in the 70s, some say 80s baby, but really 90s is where I came of age. Um, so my older brother was uh, introduced me to hip-hop. He was about seven years older than me, so... He was the one uh, break dancing in the house, breaking up the furniture, and I was kind of just trying to understand what was going on. You know, I'm like, I'm listening to uh, top forty stuff, and man, this is stuff he won't let me listen to. So, kind of took to it. Um, I have an East Coast bias, admittedly. Uh, I've tried over the years to 
educate myself on other uh, in hip hop in other areas. And I think pretty much now, having lived in Chicago, so I went to school in New York, uh, worked in New York, then I went to a grad school in Chicago. Um, right around oh three oh four, when uh, you know the Kanye explosion kind of happened in Chicago, and uh, so that influenced me a lot. Now I'm down in Texas, which is just a whole other world, right of uh, of hip hop down here. So, um, you know, I, I, I say I have a pretty diverse taste right now, but I will always, and preface this, you know, for our conversation, have a, an East Coast New York bias. I can't help it. That's I, I lived out there, so don't go there. You know, that's just how I am. But um, I, I think I'm pretty objective when it comes to, um, you know, taking in music. And so, um, actually, when I was in, moved to Chicago and I was in grad school and poor and um, missing a lot of my friends back home and missing the barbershop, I started doing these uh, hip-hop wrap-ups um, and just, you know, writing what I think were the best things going on in hip-hop that year, and I would email it to everyone I knew, and people would say, you're an idiot, this, this, and that, and we'd go back and forth on email, and uh, now I kind of just post them to, you know, various social media outlets, and I still have the people sending me posts like, you're an idiot, this is not right, you haven't listened to this, how dare you not put Run the Jewels 2 on, uh, you know, your list last year, I'm like, oh, sorry, I just, I just wasn't feeling it, what can I tell you? So, um, I, looking back, it's been about 10 years, and I've done this every year, um, you know, it's it, in, in prepping for this show, I kind of saw how my tastes and been informed by what's going on and how much the game has changed over the last decade even. And so um, looking forward to uh, our discussion and, um, you know, looking forward to, to, the, to the feedback from the show so people can tell me I'm an idiot and uh, I need to listen to this and listen to that. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what I, I, I would love. This will definitely be a cultural exchange, so to speak. We both have our taste, and I appreciate you being upfront about your East Coast bias. Um, <laughs> we both have our taste. We both have our leanings. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's yep. great to be able to get exposed to that that back and forth with folks who maybe put us up on something, and maybe we put we're putting people up on new things that maybe they they haven't checked, or they're gonna go back yeah. and check with a with a with a fresher ear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's what we hope uh, this 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 platform, this podcast kind of opens up doors for folks um, who, you know, again, especially for some of us older heads, right? We're, I'm in my 30s, um, yep. you know, so we kind of get disconnected from being super, super up on the freshest, latest underground cat who's recording, you know, albums in his bedroom. You know, we, 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 we kind of <laughs> a little bit far. We're not like we were in our 20s where we got that cat's mixtape, you know what I mean? So it's good Years to kind of get a feel for yeah. what's bubbling. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing my story. It, that that implores me to share share your story. That implores me to share my story a little bit. Being a Midwesterner, um, grew up yeah. in Chicago, been in Wisconsin, yep. um, and went to college and, and everything in Wisconsin for most of my uh, teenage years and adult life. Um, grew up on, and this is the interesting piece, is that, you know, there's a little bit of a West Coast leaning. Like you, I was mm. brought into hip-hop through contact with older uncles, cousins. Um, it was just around, you know, and this mm. was in the, the mid-'90s, the early-'90s, when the late-'80s, early-'90s, N.W.A., gangster rap was big, and that was what kind of resonated with folks in Chicago at that time. So that's kind of what I was brought into. 
Um, you know, then you got the house scene in Chicago. Um, and so it, my my hip hop influence was was pretty different and diverse um, because it was just a little bit more open. There were a little bit more things that that were acceptable um, because we were kind of in the middle of the country. So we kind of took we listened to some of the stuff on the east. We listened to some of the stuff on the west. And as I grew older, I found myself kind of really resonating and, and things that really kind of connected with me were, were southern artists. So yeah. Um, that's that's something that we can explore a little bit as we get into this kind of first round um, in the show. Um, so we both kind of have, have prefaced kind of how we got into the music, kind of told our story a little bit. Um, we both were kind of introduced to it by older heads who kind of put us on the things and kind of piqued our interest, and we kind of took it and ran with it. Um, as that, I'm sure, you know, for me, as I got older and into my teenage years, my early teens, I started to kind of get my own stuff, right, and build my own collection. You know, right now I have yeah. like four or five shoeboxes in, in my basement <laughs> full of cassettes <laughs> that I can't do anything with anymore. It's not like that's that's the bad thing about cassettes. They're not like vinyl. With vinyl, you can no. still, you know, pop it on and, and listen. A cassette is just like I don't, a cassette. <laughs> I don't even have a cassette player anymore. I, I The last exactly. move I did, it got destroyed. I'm like, these things are useless. But I will say... For Christmas, my father-in-law got me one of those converters, the cassette nice. to MP3 converter. So I like yeah, I have a box of tapes that my wife cannot wait until I convert so she can get rid of that box. But I got <laughs> you know stuff boat. recorded off the stuff recorded off the radio. I was like, I'm pretty sure it was impossible to find some of those songs, so I'm not giving it up. Absolutely, and that was the grind back then, and that's what I mean. As that 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 fervor that we had for it, where you know I would. You know, we had a, there was one show in Madison when I was a teenager, and it came on on Saturday nights at 10:30 at night. It was a Universal Soul explosion, and you knew you were going to get like your dope. Because at this point, there was like no real hip hop station, and I know some of the younger mm-hmm. listeners out there cannot fathom that. But there were parts <laughs> of the country. I'm sure you, as an East Coast, you're like what? <laughs> but then yeah. you talk about the middle of the middle of the country. There was no hip hop station. You know, you wow. might get a breakthrough chart topper, but it usually was some candy bubblegum type stuff. You know, you mm-hmm. really got some of those real hard cuts, except on the Universal Soul Explosion. And it came on mm-hmm. 89.9 WRT here in Madison. And I used to stay mm-hmm. up, I put a tape in, and I just <laughs> put my headphones on and lay down in the bed, and I'd go to sleep to it. And then in, at some point in the middle of the night, I'd wake up, flip it over, because it was on from ten thirty, <laughs> from ten to two in the morning. I flip it over, yeah. hit record, and every morning was every Sunday morning was like Christmas. I couldn't wait to get up just to hear what was played. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it was I, like, can, oh, I can God, I can relate. This? And anyone, uh, so anyone that uh, that was a real underground hip hop guy in New York knows Stretch and Bobito was that was that exact show. Yeah. And Stretch yeah, and Bobito came on on Thursday nights from like 10 to 2. So, you know, the thing was I do the exact same thing, right? Sit in, I, I would try to stay awake because, you know, stretching by pizza, I mean, they would talk. They would talk for like right. 45 minutes in the middle of a show, and you didn't really want to catch them just talking nonsense. So you were trying to catch the music, but you'd fall asleep, wake up, try to turn it over, and that next day, man, it's me and my boys would be sleepwalking through class on Friday. But, like, did you catch that uh, – 
the new Biggie one that he played. Oh, did you catch that? Uh, yeah. You know, X, Y, Z that that he played. And that was, uh, you know, the beauty. So um, I can relate. But, yeah, that, that staying up late to catch the pirate radio because it had all the curses and no censoring. So we had a yep. hip-hop station, but, yep. you know, you had to hear the radio version. So that was the only place you heard just raucous cursing on the radio. So yeah. I don't yeah. it's probably not even allowed <laughs> right now, but that was uh, that was where it was. So I could definitely relate. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, you know, we go. I go through that phase, those teenage years. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm building my own collection as I go through getting things that I, I that I'm really into. You know, uh, and then I, I go to college, and my freshman year of college, Napster drops, and you know, for a kid like me, I was like, "Yo, forget <laughs> class, I'm downloading songs." <laughs> that, I mean, it was like. It was like the floodgates opened, and you had access to all of this music at your fingertips. You had to, you know, deal with the whole slow downloading time and, and of that particular era, you know, with the dial-up yeah. and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was always worth it for that song, that download complete, and you to go find something that, you know, you hadn't heard yet or you had only read about in the source or, or magazine or Excel or whatever. Uh, Mm-hmm. And to go get it and have it and have it like as yours and and you know then I was into putting and making mix CDs and so that was my little hustle in college was you know I get on Napster get the new stuff and then you know put it on CD give them a call my boys over play it for them get them to bug out about it and then charge them to make them a disc. <laughs> <laughs> you sell you weren't and selling much your trunk but you were almost stuff. selling them out your trunk. Uh-huh. Exactly. I was telling him about the dorm room. You know, be hot off the press, though. <laughs> hot off the burner. <laughs> so you know, and, and so then it evolved into that. And you know, as I progressed through college, obviously, you know, the downloading game evolved a little bit. Um, but still, to this day, you know, I, I've I've been able to kind of pick up things here, or there, from online. Unfortunately, I'll admit this: I, I rarely buy music now, but I still get a ton. Um, because mm-hmm. I mean, the, the internet makes it <laughs> very easy to access things. Really so, easy. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm still taking advantage of that. You know, the, 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 that Napster thing kind of ruined me. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're the generation that killed uh, that killed the rap industry. They're hey, talking about you. Hey. So I'm I'm a little older than you. So I I when I was uh, in college, there was no. Napster. I mean, we had it, but there was really no way to get this stuff. And it wasn't until I graduated, so it has been around ninety eight, ninety nine. And I remember one of uh, one of my boys at school. I think I went back to visit him, and I said, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, I got this X Y Z. I think maybe I picked it up from Hundred Twenty Fifth Street or something." He's like, "Oh yeah, I had that two weeks ago." I was like, "How'd you get it two weeks ago?" Yeah. Oh, I just downloaded everything, and it just blew yep. my mind. And so, um, you know, after that, <laughs> buying music. To him and to folks that came was just, an, uh, you know, an abstract idea. Whereas I, it took me a while until I, I went heavy into the download game. And now I'm a slave to Spotify, for better or for worse. I mean, yep, it's, it's the in-between. That's I was like, all right, I'm paying well. a little bit, but uh, yeah. at least I can hear all the stuff. And uh, and if it's a terrible album, I don't feel like I want my $16 back. Yeah. Yeah, that is that 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 is that that investment has changed. But absolutely, I mean that that whole era of, of Napster and everything, it, it brought and and I was that's always been a piece of kind of curating hip hop music for those of us that kind of do that. Is we all have 
it's always good to be the first with it, right? There's always that extra yeah. bit of cool. You're cool if you got it, mm-hmm. you know, but you're even cooler if you're the first one with it. So if somebody comes by and they, they say, you know, I got the new Capone in Noriega, and, well, I had that mm. two weeks ago. Well, you win. You're, you're cooler. <laughs> you had it two weeks ago. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> you win today. You know what I mean? I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. You know, the, the the one phrase you hated to hear somebody say was, oh, I've been bumping that. And then you look at them like, no, nah, you, no, no, you, no, you wasn't. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it. Show me. Show me. You yeah, know, let me see it. Yeah, that was the one Trump card that that was the one phrase you did not want to hear is, I've been bumping that. And then you kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. What you mean? You, you, this just came out today. <laughs> that would always kind of get your goat a little bit. Yeah. So you talked about kind of where you're at today as far as kind of the consumer and, you know, how the game has changed from that perspective. Um, and, you know, I, I do have to raise my hand and say I am a part of that generation that um, sort of ruined the record industry as we knew it. And, you know, I, I I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I mm-hmm. felt like it forced into a, a, a peculiar spot. Um, but I also think it opened up the the game, for better or for worse, to everybody. Um, yeah. Because as long as you had access to the Internet and you could upload your stuff, you got it in the hands of the right people. You know, it kind of took away the game. It kind of – it, it – reorganize the gatekeeping aspect of the game. Um, yeah. But I do miss those days where, you know, I'm at a Sam Goody after school on a Tuesday, you know, and just mm-hmm. walking down the aisle and looking at the new releases and seeing what came out today and just having that kind of appointment, you know, it made Tuesdays matter. <laughs> yeah, like, Tuesdays used to really matter. Just, now now man, it's like, doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Now album's coming out Friday. I was like, right. Friday, that's, exactly. that's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that that's that's the kind of consumerist the, the the consumerist part of it, um, as far as the 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 music that hip hop culture produces. Um, but from a from an overall aspect, you know, hip hop in the Midwest obviously is slightly different than hip hop out east, which is slightly different than hip hop in the West, which is slightly different than hip-hop culture as a culture, as a cultural orientation and a way of looking at the world. It's, it's different from region to region, and even within the regions, you know, what's going on in Chicago is very different than what's happening in Detroit, which is very different than what's happening in St. Louis, if you're going through yeah. the Midwest, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. sure Texas is, I mean, you go from Houston to Dallas and they're two different universes, you know, yep. uh, within the same state. So, you know, as you talk about kind of the culture of hip-hop, you know, and we talk about hip hop, and for the listeners out there, we talk about hip hop. We talk about a perspective, a culture um, that encompasses art, politics, um, literature, all these things. This is a lens through which we see the world. And rap music, hip hop music, is just one expression of that lens, and one you know passing of ideas, filtering of ideas through that lens. So you know when we talk about hip hop on this show. Um, and you can challenge me on that if you feel like you have a different definition. That's just the working. That's just kind of how I approach it when I talk to people about hip hop because people equate equate the music and and the music is it, right? The music is the oh, epicenter, yeah. no, which is not which is not it. The music is a byproduct of many other things, um, 
that come into play, but it's not just music. So I want to just make that clarification for listeners when we're talking about hip-hop, that that's not just rap music or hip-hop music or however you want to define the musical expression of this culture that, you know, I've grown up in and say who you've grown up in. Um, mm-hmm. But when we talk about that culture, what role does it play for you in your day-to-day existence? Well, um, I, it's funny. I mean, it's it, it, it's a it's a difficult question, but I'll try to answer it. Right? It's um, it does a couple of things. I think personally, it connects me. Right? Two, one, it connects me to my past. So, I, I, whenever I hear a song, you can always remember where you were the first time you heard it, or when an album came out, and so um, that's one thing it does. But it also you know, the music connects me to people older and younger than me, right? So I'm a college professor now, so I'm interacting with students that are 18, 19 years old from Texas. I grew up in New York, right? They're all different kind of races. and um, But the music and, 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 and uh, the culture around it and the slang and the perspective and the emotion and all that connects me to them, even though I'm sometimes twice their age or more, right? So I remember... Uh, I had a, a student in my class um, telling me about their, their weekend, and he was like, oh, yeah, I had a uh, a softball intramural game, and the name of our team is Running Around the Bases with My Woes. And this was a, a white kid from, you know, Dallas, right? Like, he and I have nothing in common, yeah. but we connected instantaneously with that statement. And I laughed. I was like, that's actually really good. And uh, he knew I would like it, and he's like, yeah, that is kind of really good. So it connects me. Um and I think it also educates me. So, um, you know, listening to music, particularly when you listen to music from people that are just living a completely different experience than you, right? So me listening to Common in 92 just kind of blew my mind because I knew Brooklyn, I knew New York. I didn't really know what urban Chicago was about. And the pictures that he painted were just just amazing to me, you know. And so it almost made me say, man, I feel like I have a lot in common with this this area of the country that, you know, I've never been. I don't know anyone from there, but, you know, I instant, instantaneously have that. So it educated me and it educates, you know, me about struggles that others have, that they're dealing with, emotions they're dealing with, fads that come along. And so, um, so the culture, you know, connects me, educates me, and then I think it also motivates me. And so it's uh, it's it's the soundtrack of my life, right? And so uh, I listen to music when I'm trying to get amped up. I listen to music when I'm in the gym. I listen to music when I'm trying to relax. And so, um, you know, the emotion that's in it ends up being the emotion that I either have or, you know, start to have, right? So, you know, you listen to a certain kind of music. After a while, you start to behave in ways that are similar to that. And so, um, you know, the motivation, the inspiration, that that raw emotion, you know, hip-hop is one of the few things that can really get me to act like a fool. <laughs> yeah, I tell this to my wife all the time. Absolutely. So I was like, you know, even when I'm at a game, room for my team, but let me be at a party and someone throws on a mean set. Well, I'll, I'll come out in my suit, jacket, tie, I won't care what, you know, that's, and that's something that you need to have in life, something that hits you as such a, a core aspect of your being that it elicits this positive feeling. And, um, you know, so that's the part. So, you know, the connection, education, and I think the motivation. I love that. I love the way you broke that down. I love the way you broke that down. And I, and I agree with you on, on several levels. I oftentimes 
kind of frame it up for people that it, it allows me to uh, tap into my lineage, you know, and it mm-hmm. has, it, it's been a, it's been a, a gateway and a vessel that has taken me on a journey, not only into my future and the future of others, but also the past. You know, there's so many old records that I went back and got into and old music and old stories and artists and mm. learning, you know, history through the fact that somebody took something, whether it be a JD or a DJ Premier or Timberland or whoever, they took something, a piece of a, of, of a, a, a small snapshot from a piece of art and took it and molded it into something else in a new context, in a new time. And it's almost like you get to time travel through it. And that's what I feel like. I feel like I get to time travel through hip-hop. I get to go back to being a 16-year-old when I first heard Mm. ATL. You know, every time I put it back on, you know, that's, that's that's the one I listen to in the fall. Like, I always throw that on once in the fall because, it, you know, back in the day, September was the time when, the joints came out like come on. you know yep. September. They were always the the heavy big artists would drop something in September in the mid early nineties. That was kind of the 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 routine label practice was to was to drop Fourth something quarter. at that point. And so I, yeah. exactly, so I always go back to being that sixteen year old at the beginning of the school year ninety six and getting that album and just remembering <laughs> all of those feelings of you know being on the, on the bus on the way to school. And just listening to that album back and forth, you know. And so, yeah. I, again, it allows me to kind of go back to that, you know, take me back to my college locker room. And as you said, the emotions that, that it allows you to kind of put I, – I, I had a mix, a strong mix that I would listen to mm-hmm. before my, my – I was an athlete before my games. And I would oh, yeah. sit and I was total silence by myself, zone. And, I mean, you know, Biggie – you know, Renegade, Jay-Z, Eminem, Renegade, you know, just just hard mm-hmm. stuff. You know, Tupac, Ambitions of a Rider, just that kind of stuff <laughs> to get you in that mode to go out and put in some work on somebody. And, yep. and you know, so and just, you know, allowing me to reconnect with that and keeping me grounded in, in those experiences. But as you said, you know, I, I worked in a high school, um, allowing me to connect with my kids and being able to, you know, talk to them about Future's last album. You know, mm-hmm. being able to, you know, in the Midwest, you know, critique Keith Keith, you know, yeah. and, and get kids to think about it differently. You know, talk about Kendrick's album. Talk about J. Cole. I can have those conversations with young people, and they respect where I'm coming from um, because there's, we, we're sharing, we're sharing uh, stories. We're sharing a, a, a oral history, you know, and as you said, being able to drop a phrase two people that I've never met connect around that phrase because of this music, because of this culture is, is a very powerful thing. It's a very, very powerful yep. thing. Um, and it's something that I've, I've enjoyed. So, you know, thinking about the evolution of things, and you talked about um, the, the end of the year wrap up and how it's evolved mm-hmm. over time. Tell us a little bit more about how you have kind of at, at, as you've reflected on this, how you've seen it evolve um, in the last 10 years that you've done it. Yeah, I mean, the only way I can describe it is it's been growth, right? The hip-hop, music, and the culture has grown. And, you know, a lot of people think about growth in like a positive sense of getting bigger. 
But growth is really just this painful, confusing, you know, uh, nerve-wracking experience. You know, any growth experience is never just all, all, all good. And so, you know, I just looked at different times that I was frustrated with the certain things I was seeing. I was angry about other things I was seeing. I thought there should be more of this left in the game. You know, um, I, I know, you know, again, New York, right? I mean, it fell from, you know, the pinnacle, from being top of the world and being the tastemakers to being relegated to, you know, has-beens, right? So now you have New York rappers have a chip on their shoulder, like, oh, I'm going to bring New York back, I'm going to bring New York back. And that's because they really didn't want things to change, right? So artists that were in established right. areas wanted things to stay the same. Artists in new areas, so artists coming from New Orleans, artists coming from Atlanta, Memphis, you know, Mississippi, all these areas, now, you know, North Carolina is now just incredible. Um, they want things to change more quickly. So you have this tug and pull, collectors developing, peace treaties, you know, wars kind of flaring up uh, in different areas. And I, that's, to me, all part of growth. And so um, mm -hmm. I think when I first wrote the the first couple back in oh three oh four, there was a lot of I'm angry about this and I don't like this and you know it was almost like me setting whoever straight about what should or shouldn't be good, and uh, I quickly realized my taste kind of changed and I realized I, I can either be that guy that's just like you kids get off my lawn I hate all this new music you know it's not for me it's for kids with big caps and skinny jeans. Or I can, you know, broaden my horizon a little bit, you know, keep my tastes and my preferences, but try to embrace some new trends, right? Listen to some future and two chains and, you know, really let it hit me, not judge before I, I hear it. And so now, um, as I write these up, I find, you know, I'll write it up just uh, without thinking about it. And then I'll say, like, man, I don't have a New York person on this list. You know, this list is all in Detroit. Well, this list is heavy Detroit and, uh, and, and West Coast, you know, and it, it won't be that I had some agenda that I was like, oh, well, I'm going to talk good about this and negative about this. It was just here's what I think is dope. And what's dope right now is coming from here, here and here. And it's this, this and this. And I love that. And other people need to step their game up. And that would be it. Right. And so the growth of it has been uh, impressive, but it's also created a lot of people just falling in and out of love with hip hop because, It'll move in a certain direction, you know. All you got to do is say Drake, and that's an argument, right? Because people have right. such strong <laughs> and bifurcated opinions about Drake, and so I've appreciated. I've gotten to a place where I can love and hate Drake's music at the same time, like literally love track three and hate track four, and I don't feel like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't feel like that means anything new. He's just someone I'm ambivalent about, um, and so uh, you know. That that is kind of the biggest change I think I've seen. I've, I've personally experienced, and I kind of noticed this with people my age, and then talking to people who are younger. Like they just get angry with certain things, and I don't think it dawns on them that this is part of the growth of the culture. As it goes into other areas, you're just gonna have to deal with things that you don't really like, and you can either cling to the past or you can embrace the future. And so I'm just hopefully trying to convince people embrace this, you know, listen to this. This is actually really kind of good. And here's why it's kind of good. And we can argue about it, but you got to listen to it first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I love the perspectives you kind of, you kind of brought up in that particular talk right there, because, mm -hmm. you know, as, as we age, you know, I find myself 
and I find friends of mine, I find myself calling my friends out because, again, being from the Midwest is a very different perspective. Like, there was never – we were always open to other stuff because we had to be. Like, we didn't have yeah. the clout, right? We didn't have the East Coast <laughs> clout where it's like we are the aficionados. That's, that's, yeah. that's always the way East Coast folks kind of came off is like, yo, y- you guys don't know nothing. This is, this is the real <laughs> You know what I mean? We are arrogant. And we yeah, were kind of always like, well, that now. you know, we, we were open to stuff. You know, we were open to things. And so that's kind of always been my orientation. And as I've grown up and as I've kind of aged through hip-hop and experienced and watched that growth, I've kind of always been naturally open to things. But what I've watched some of my friends go through is this, this, this becoming our parents, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this music nowadays. I'm like, did you really listen to the album? <laughs> <laughs> Did you really listen to it? Because you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm thinking my post college years, which is oh four, oh five, and you know, Young Jeezy was all the rage at the time. And it's like, well, people are like, well, I don't like what he's rapping about. Well, did you? Did you at least download the album? I know you didn't buy it. But did you download? It? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> no, I heard the song that was on the radio. Well, you can't judge anybody by a radio oh, single. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So those kind of, you know, and just having that conversation with people that. There's actually a lot of quality music that's being made. There's actually a lot of good things that are happening with hip-hop. And I just hated the kind of conversation that hip-hop was dead. Um, because, oh, man. And I feel like that was because man. individuals felt like it had passed them by, you know, because it, it yep. had passed you by. And you could no longer connect with it. So it was dead for everyone. And I just, that always bugged me. And I felt like that was a very narrow and self-centered perspective on a genre that, again, connects generations of people. Um, I had the pleasure last summer of going to see Outkast, and I went mm. with my daughter, who is a freshman in college now this year. She's doing her first year. And she knew the songs probably because her dad is a, a big Outkast fan. <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. But she knew the song because she had grown up with it. But there were kids her age. There were folks my age in their mid-30s, and then there were folks who were, you know, maybe around your age, early 40s, late yeah. 30s, you know, mm-hmm. and we're all vibing together. We're all having a blast. Yeah. We're all having a good time. And as you said, you know, we're all acting a fool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what we all have in common. Yeah, over a couple of guys who are 400 feet away from us, but we're feeling every word that they're saying, you know, yeah. and it, it's it's an unbelievable experience to connect, and it's, it's almost, you know, if you're not a fan of music, you know, it's all. It's also like being if you're not a fan of sport to see how people react to things of that nature and how people connect with things that are very removed from them, but they yep. still find this very visceral connection to either the music or what's going on on a court or a field. Is is um, I always kind of take a step back in those moments and just kind of, you know, soak it in like. This probably looks weird as hell to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> From outside, got, yep. Yeah, you got all these people kind of flipping out, and it's just a song. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but it, 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 it's our song, right? It's their song, it's mm-hmm. our song, and it's an unbelievable experience. So as we move, as we kind of develop this show and this concept, um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a obligatory hip-hop practice like when two hip-hop heads meet at some point like you got to vet each other's top fives <laughs> yeah yeah I knew it's this just was coming. kind of an obligatory process 
you got to vet each other's top five, you know, because and the top five is, is is something that, you know, it just gives you a sense of kind of what shaped this person, right? What what what? Because there's so much, right? There's so because when I did mine, I was kind of like, man, I'm leaving this off, I'm leaving this off, and I'm leaving this yeah. off, I'm leaving this off, and I could have put twenty songs in honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy. I tell people, you know, like, what's your top five? Like, well, it's a, it's a twenty way tie for for one through five, and they're like, nope, that's a cop exactly. out. <laughs> right, right. You're cheating. You're cheating. So <laughs> let's talk about that, right? Let's go. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's, let's go right. through it. So right. any era, right? Let's uh, let's go. Well, let's go previous eras, right? Let's not count the kind of modern day cats who are kind of like in in the throes of the progression of the game right now. Um, but let's go okay. guys who maybe still be making music now, right? They may still be making okay. music now, but they're not kind of in the throes of it as far as, like, being the iconic folks. Um, gotcha. Top five MCs, previous eras. And that's a very general term and very ambiguous, so run with it. All right. So, um you know, this is the Mount Rushmore. I'm I'm good. This and this probably won't change no matter how I chop it up. And there's again a ton of people not on this list who I love, but if I if you know, gun to my head. All right, so number one is Biggie. Um I'll fight anyone who contests that Biggie's not in the top five. So if he's not in your five, let's just set a date right now to go to go scrap. <laughs> um So are we are we counting Jay Z as currently in the oh, throes, Jay-Z's or pre- is he done? Jay-Z's pre- His previous era. Okay, good, yeah. because really it's the previous era that counts. Okay, so Biggie and Jay-Z, all right, and that's the, all of my Brooklyn um, bias gone. Uh, then I have Common, uh, I have Ice Cube, and the fifth one, and I, I fought with this a lot, but he has to go in there just because of the role he played in my appreciation, right? It's Chuck D. So those are my five. Oh, Biggie, hey, Jay... Common, Ice Cube, Chuck D. Nice. I can't. I. I. I again. I, I. I won't. I can't argue with any of those picks. Again, all. Of, all of those guys got consideration for me. Um, and all of those okay. guys, I'm. I hemmed in hard. Um, there were kind of like <laughs> three locks, right? There were three locks okay. for me, and then there were two additional spots where there were like fifteen dudes. So I was like, ooh, but, oh, but I like that, but oh. So you know that that was that was really a challenge. That those last two spots were really a challenge for me. So okay, my 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 number one, um, and you know I feel like because of the group dynamic, this particular rapper is extremely underrated. But Andre three thousand is hands down to me the most dynamic MC when he raps mm-hmm. that I've ever I've ever had a chance to listen to. Uh, my number two is big. All right, Three. good. I got scrap. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I, you said that. I was like, I ain't got to worry about <laughs> So my number two is big. And, again, with big and me, it was kind of, you know, we both, he was he was doing his thing as I was kind of really kind of solidifying my own identity as a, as a you know, hip-hop kind of steward. And so I was devouring everything that that brother put out at the time, you know, from – you know, the One More Chance remix to the, you know, Junior Mafia stuff. I mean, it was just all just, I, I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. Um, yeah. My number three 
was Jay Z. And then this is where I kind of started to be like, ugh. I put Eminem at number four. Now mm. I have to, I have to, M from a flow, from a lyrical standpoint, is bar nine elite, and I respect that. And so a part of me is like, you gotta, you gotta respect that. He's he's very good, and M has always had verses that have blown my mind away. Yeah, but I never have really liked M's albums. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never really been like, yo, I want to hear that. The Eminem truth song comes out. Here. The truth comes out. You yeah, about to get some hate? But I completely tweets hate I, mail. Yeah, yeah. I, but I completely respect him as an MC. And again, he's had some of the best guest spot verses. Like I, I just I go yeah. So and that that was. But I put him there um, because. He, he because of his impact and his ability. Really, that's his, because of his impact and his ability. My final spot. Now this was tough. Being a Chicago guy, Common gets a lot of consideration. Um, I thought about Nas, um, mm-hmm. but ultimately I settled on a guy again who I think is extremely underrated from a big picture perspective. But again, as I started to kind of take down. My favorite songs, my favorite moments, my favorite verses, Black Thought of the Roots Crew um, takes my fifth spot. Um, And, again, just a ferocious, versatile MC. um, And I I, I couldn't leave him out. So Andre 3K as my first guy. Big, Jay-Z, M, and Black Thought round out my top five. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the guys that I really, that really shaped, you know, my kind of perception of what a a great MC can sound like, um, look like, act like, be like, think like kind of a deal. Yeah. And I, I cannot challenge any of them. Um, so Eminem is, is one of those guys that, I mean, whenever we talk lyrics, you, he just... Pound for pound, the best lyricist that's ever touched the mic. I mean, I'll, again, it's arguable, but barely, you know. And so, it really comes down to, for me, um, to the extent. And here's the weird part about Eminem, for me, is that he is a singular talent, just an incredible, incredible talent. He was a phenom, uh, you know, in pop culture. But think about now the role that Eminem plays in the game, right? Like, he, he, he kind of came in so hot, and now Eminem is not is not someone who you're like, wow, you know, well, people are rapping differently or this is happening differently because Eminem came in the game. I think some of it had to do with the fact that he, co-sign, he was co-signed by Dre, and so mm-hmm. a lot of his success was linked to Dr. Dre's success, which was like a continuation you know, and then getting linked with 50. And, you know, he just became this larger. Like, I listen to Shade 45 all the time. And it's only every now and again I realize, like, oh, this is Eminem's channel. You know, like, it's right. <laughs> like he's right. big, but it's almost as if he's not, uh, he's popular and he's also not really relevant in a way that is surprising for how popular and and successful he's been. So, 
I'm with you on the top five. I I, I could I could take him out. I, he couldn't knock anyone off my top five, but uh, I can see that. And then Black Thought is is the same. I mean, I love Black Thought. My thing is uh, when I go song for song, track for track, he's a lyricist, but man, he needs a fire under him to yeah. Because uh, sometimes he just gets caught yeah. in the words, and right. man, it can it can he can kill a song. You know, but yeah. as soon as you put Black Thought on an album with somebody else, and he's like, oh, I got to, you know, almost go at this guy. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. every time he's on a track with somebody else, it's almost like, wow, why did why did, why did Tariq do it to him? But uh, sometimes right. he gets in his own zone and uh, he loses me. But that's the man. Tariq been nice. I don't know if you ever heard of him freestyling when he was like 16. It was yeah. a mixtape yeah, with I've him heard. on there. It was, oh, man, just in, insanity. <laughs> Right, you can you can hit a genius, right? You can hit like okay, mm-hmm. you know, and as, as hip hop guys, we've all dabbled in like trying to trying to rap or make beats or scratch or whatever, because that's what you do. You have to engage in it, right? You have to engage in art. Yeah. It's not an art. You got to you sit back and you kind of like I just listen to the music. At some point, if yeah. you're really into this, you're gonna try something, <laughs> right? You're gonna pursue mm-hmm. one, whether it's you're gonna dance, you're gonna you're gonna again <laughs> make beats, you're gonna go, you're gonna you're gonna give it a shot. Um, and when you when you hear him as a sixteen year old, and you're like, yeah, nah, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm an amateur. Yeah, yeah, I can't, that's I a can't professional. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but go back to your Eminem points. Um, mm-hmm. With with I liken Eminem to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I think mm-hmm. like when you think about Kareem and his. Like, there isn't a, a, a lineage from Kareem, right? There aren't other guys who really duplicated what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did as a basketball player, as a personality, as a personality. Even though he's the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, there is, like, it's almost like he doesn't, he's not. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like mm. he's not there. He's not in that mm-hmm. spot. And I think that's the, same, that's the same analogy you can make with him. And I think the reason is is because Kareem did it in such a unique way and I think it's hard to replicate that. Like, you know, in, in the in the late 2000s, you know, after Biggie dropped um, uh, Ready to Die, there was kind of a, a formula, right, an album formula being kind of generated by, by the power that be in the industry, that you had to have a certain, you had to have a club banger, your street song, yeah. yada, 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 you know. And, One for the ladies. And, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. You know, and as this formula kind of comes along, you know, other rappers start to emulate that. Eminem came at such a in, in, from a such a different perspective that, and one, the things that he was talking about and kind of the center of his angst was seemed to be centered around his uh, his dislike for his mom, and it's very hard. Mm-hmm. And, it's very hard to get a black boy to talk about his mom. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it was, I think true. it was something that was very difficult for other artists to emulate and kind of make their own because it was it was his. It was his unique yeah. thing. And the same with Kareem, like the Scott Hook. You know, I'm. Mm. there have been millions of basketball players who have come after Kareem, and no one has been able to perfect that shot. Nope. You know, and it's an unstoppable shot. You know, it takes so much technique, grace, coordination to do. And there have been other people who have been as coordinated, but no one could master that shot. And that's what I see with him is that no one can really take his style and make it theirs because it is him. 
you know, and it is very much him. And again, as to kind of connect him back to Kareem, Kareem is the leading scorer in the history of the NBA. But if you have a conversation about the greatest player of all time, Kareem probably comes up sixth or seventh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that's like true. He's somebody that, true. that doesn't really get brought up. Um, and again, yeah. it's almost like he didn't happen because no mm-hmm. one has really been able to kind of step into that. Like, there was no next Kareem. There was never like, there's yeah. been the next Jordan or the next Magic yeah. or the next Larry Bird for every white guy who can shoot a jump shot and chew gum at the same mm-hmm. time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there was never, uh, well, this guy's going to be like Kareem. You know, even when there were other great big men in the league, they re- there really wasn't that kind of a uh, a conversation about Kareem. And, again, that was part of kind of his persona and his his interactions with the media and things of that nature that kind of alienated him, um, whether by design or whether by his own doings. He was kind of not really embraced in that, in that sense. So those right, are I'm buying that. that I I'm buying have. that. I'm buying that. I like so, that. There's, that I got to chew on that for a minute. I'm buying that. Okay. Can I ask you a question okay. along Absolutely. the lines of this? I'm feeling folks out. So here's a question that I pose after I'm after I get to know folks a little bit. I say, okay, what was the first hip hop song you ever purposefully sat down and memorized? So not one that you heard Ooh. a lot and then you kind of knew the word. Mm-hmm. One where you were like. Before this day ends, I'm going to listen to this song until I know everything. If you wrote it down in a notebook and went over it, but you were like, I have to know this by heart, just because it's important to me to know this by heart. So what was the right. first song? I, I feel like this is also one of those questions that says, ah, okay, I'm, I'm going to know where you're coming from when I know that. Yeah. So for me, it was Rock Him, I Ain't No Joke. And I remember the day as if it was yesterday. I was maybe seven, eight years old and, you know, my I can't I was I was I was under ten. Um uh-huh. I don't know if I was seven or eight, but I was under ten. My uncle's playing it. Um and I'm listening to it and the horns and the bass and I'm like, man, I want this to be like my my like song. Like I want people to know, like, you know, as a little kid, you're kind of like, yo, man, don't mess with me. I ain't no joke. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, that that, that concept as a as a young pre-double-digit kid, that idea, like, yeah, don't bother me. Leave me alone. And, you know, I remember sitting in my uncle's room, and he got so upset with me because I kept rewinding it and playing it. And I was his favorite nephew, so he let me do it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I kept rewinding it and playing it, and he knew, but he also knew what I was doing because I'm sitting yeah. there and I'm 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 mouthing it, I'm mouthing it, and then when I get a part, okay, then I start it over, and then I get that part, and then I get the next like four bars, and so that was mm-hmm. the one, you know. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed, just boom, play, boom, play, yeah. rewind, play, and just kind of like <laughs> this is the one I'm gonna get. I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to recite this, and when this comes on, and part of it was, and I think part of it for me was my uncle enjoyed the song so much. So I wanted to be able to, like, get him going and be like, yeah, when he's going with the words, I'm going with the words too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can do this yeah. together kind of a deal. So that for me, that was kind of like, and again, like, when I talk, at, that that connected you to your lineage, right? It connected mm-hmm. me to my uncle, Um in a way that gave us something. Again, I, he's in his twenties. I'm, you know, 
nine, ten, eight years old, and we have this yep. thing that we both share. You know what I mean? This this, this, yeah. this song is our is our song. You know, because he likes it and I like it, and we both know the words, and we can go back and forth, and he can do a verse, and then I can do a verse, and he can do four bars, and I can do four bars, and we can go back and forth. And so that was the song, you know, and a lot of good fun. But that was like the first one. I was like, I'm learning this song, you know. Right. So, so that was, that was my so first that, one. That uh, that so that, this confirms with me my my thought about why Rakim is Rakim is because, um, and he wasn't my first, but he was one of the first. So I'll answer the question. So mm-hmm. the first song that as soon as I heard, I was like, I need to know song was L Cool J. I'm bad. <clears throat> mm. The same year as Ain't No Joke, right? So I just yeah. remember hearing the, you know, the, the, the organ, and hearing this dude just going on, and I was just like, yo, I've never heard someone rap like this. I need to know everything that this guy is saying, right? And I yeah. listened to that song until my brother's tape popped. I think literally it popped, and I just never said anything. But I listened to that right. over and over and over again. To this day, I can still see, because I wrote some down on a piece of paper, because I was like, man, what is he saying about uh, Attila the Hun and something? Who is Attila the Hun? Yes. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Um, right. But some of the reasons why I think Rakim is that dude is because for those of us in you know in that era, he was rapping in a way that was so different from other folks that you were like, wow, you know, I have to sit down and really listen and listen to it again and again and again so I can get it down. Whereas, you know, for Run DMC, right, which came out first, like I could just listen to Run DMC two or three times and I knew all the words because they were still doing yeah. the old school rap, yeah. you know, uh, structure. Then all of a sudden you had mm-hmm. Rakim coming in and it was rapid flow and you were like, whoa, what is this? And so I think, El, you know, Rakim for... The reason he is just rocking, you know, a lot why he is that guy is he is the first person that I think most hip hop heads had to sit down and study. And that's always going to give you that like, well, no, he's he's just a different guy. He's just he's just on a different plane. Yeah. And and, and throughout the course of, of hip hop and, and as the, the lyrical side of the game has evolved, there have been those kind of uh, betas, right, that that patient zero who has come along yeah. and done something lyrically, vocally, that you're like, whoa, whoa, this this is way different. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is something else. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and Rakim was, I agree, Rakim was that guy where he he filled bars, you know, where I think yeah. there was there was spacing and sparseness to uh, the uh, the older rap structure. And Rakim just kind of packed his bars. You know, he didn't overpack yeah. them. He packed them just right. You know what I mean? He exactly. had enough in there. And it, and he he really started, you really started to see flow, right? And I think Rakim mm-hmm. was the one that's really started to build flow, where it was like we're going from, you know, this to this to this, and we're not we're not taking that breath. And breath control yeah. became important, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't stop on a snare catch a breath, go again, two <laughs> bars, four bars, stop on the snare, take a breath, it was keep going over the snare, you know, yeah. and that was something that was uh, a, a bit different. Mm-hmm. So we got a couple minutes left, and I want to I wanna, I wanna finish it up with this particular question. As we look at where things are today, right, if we had to just kind of put a bubble around this current time frame um, and create a time capsule for 
generations to come and they wanted to know about the last four or five years of hip hop, who are the top five MCs that that you're in? And it can it can be very personal right now. Um, so who are the who are the guys that you're into at this particular moment? The now guys, this this current era of of lyricists, artists that you're into. Um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, it's probably, um, for five. So, you know, the infamous Drake, you know, love him, hate him. He's, yeah, he's, just, he's a monster on, on you know, in, in every little sense of the word, he, he's dominated everything. Um, I'm not going to put Wayne in just because the last three, four years have been real uneven on Wayne, you know, but Thank if you would have said the last you. 10 years, Thank obviously, you. Wayne. <laughs> Thank you. We're good. We're good there. We're good there. Cause, uh, okay. yeah. Wayne is, Wayne so is Drake, me like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Put, it, put whatever you had in your same, cup back in your cup, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing with Redman. I mean, at a certain point, yeah. you abuse drugs, yep. and it just it affects the craft, it's, love yeah. it or not. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Royce the 5'9", is mm. a guy who um, I think is uh, how would I describe him? He's just one of these guys you don't you don't want you don't want a problem with him, you know. Right. Like for for all the I'm making money, I'm this. I don't think anyone really wants to come at Royce. Royce is Royce is just nah. a monster on the mic. Nah. Um, yeah. Kendrick, I think is also you know one of these guys. I equated Kendrick is I just saw him at ACL Live for the taping last week. And um, and then I had some feelings about To Pimp a Butterfly. Pretty much kept them to myself because, uh, you know, everyone I knew was just kind of on it, like, this is, man, a classic. And I was like, I don't know what it is. We got, you got a form. You got a form. Let's talk about okay. it. So, uh, you know, it just, it was an album that I could listen to if I was in the mood to study and and, like, really hear what he's saying. It's a deep album. It is artistic it's jazz it's bebop i mean it's like a uh um you know it's a, it's a beatnik album it's it's something from the 60s right um but mm-hmm. as far as just catching you in a, in the emotional state it's just a tough album to get through it's just really tough and uh you know i compare it to you know good uh, good kid mad city which was also touching on a lot of deep stuff but man that album just bang you know, and this album doesn't mm-hmm. bang. I'm sorry. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I went to, to ACL, and he started off doing his uh, To Pimp a Butterfly joints. And people were grooving because it's good. And then, man, he did um, uh, Swimming Pools. And it was like the place came alive, right? The place came alive. So every mm-hmm. time he did something from Good Kid, Mad City, the place was alive. When he did To Pimp a Butterfly, people were with it, but they just were like, you know, it's hard to really get – amped to you know if these walls could talk and in, in the same way as uh some of the right. other stuff so right good album but man i don't know if this is an album that i will be listening to for years and uh mm-hmm. I, I feel bad i feel like a sellout saying that because i love Kendrick, i love the music i love what he's trying to do but man this was for me you know a a, a hard single but this wasn't a home run mm-hmm I I, he, I can dig that. Okay. I can, I can dig that. Um, you know, it's it, it's one I I enjoy it a lot. I I like the album a lot. But I, I hear what you're saying because for me to really kind of canonize an album in my personal collection, 
Like, it has to, uh, as you said, I have to be able to, like, zone out, right? Mm-hmm. I have to be able to kind of go to that. It has to take me to that space. And there's a space, and I, I haven't been able to articulate it, elite, mm-hmm. articulate the space that I go in my mind when I'm really digging something. But, you know, it, it, I, I, it, it, again, it, it, take, it, it takes me on that time travel, right? I start time traveling. And yeah. I lose track of time. I'm, like, in this, in this warp, in this bubble, and stuff can go <laughs> around me. But I'm locked into that. Um, if I'm if I'm working while I'm doing it or whatever it is, I'm working out. An hour can go by and it can feel like five minutes. Um, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like time stands still when I'm listening to something that I did. And when I find that, it hits me and I go in that space and I know, right? And mm-hmm. again, I enjoyed it. I love what he was saying. But it, you know, Black of the Berry is the one song that kind of got me in that space. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where I was like, okay, all right, okay. Okay, this is this is my kind of you know I love I I enjoy the music I love it I like it but again I, I feel you where it's like it doesn't kind of it doesn't you know it, you know as Rakim said MC means move the crowd <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so, exactly so that was, know, that was my main issue with to pimple butterfly so you know I I'm, when it came out and I guess March or April I mean it the the amount of positives written for it was just Man, I was like, okay, I'm going to love this album. And I put it on, and when I didn't love it, I was like, man, something must be wrong with me. Let me put this down and come back to it. But it's November yeah. now, and it's still a good but not um, all-time album to me. Um, but to quickly finish the list, sorry. So Drake, Royce, Kendrick, Jay Electronica, you know, for frustrating the hell out of all his fans for the last four or five years, Everybody. probably more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh yeah. J. Cole probably. J. Cole is I think best captures what's gone on in the last uh four to five years. I, I like that list. And I like I I I love J Electronic. I'm I'm digging him. I just need I just need a project. <laughs> yeah. Man. Give me something, dog. Give me I uh, that frustration, you know, and yeah, like he'll he'll do a couple of things and it'll just blow you away and you'll be, you know, extremely extremely excited and then it's nothing for three years. <laughs> it's the worst tease ever, man. I, I can't even really say yeah. his name to certain people. They're like, "Don't tell me nothing until an album is out, an EP, something, <laughs> something, right? Something." You know what I mean? Give me five or six songs. Just tell me you're working on something. I want to just something. <laughs> I, I I respect that list. I respect that list completely. Um, Royce, I always say Royce is that old samurai that nobody wants it with him. Because <laughs> yeah. all yeah. the young samurai know his sword is extra sharp. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he may not necessarily, you know, have the flashy, you know, outfit and the nice helmet and the nice, you know, samurai gear, but you come at him wrong, man. Hey, I, I agree with your assessment wholeheartedly on Royce. Um, my five now, uh, Kendrick, Drake, Killer Mike, J. Mm. Cole. And this one, has, this, this one has grown on me a ton, in the, especially with his last album. Um, the guy who I was kind of lukewarm on, he, did, he had a few moments. But this last album, I just felt like, yo, this dude is, he, he, like, it was one of those albums where I listened to it and it was like, 
it got me in that space. Um, and that's Big Sean. Um, I knew you were going to say Big Sean. All right, I'm on. I'm in. I've been cutting clown for my Big Sean love the last two years. And I'm like, no, you got to really listen to his album. Maybe, you got, maybe you have, this yes. is what you're saying. This is one of those conversations where I have where I'm like, they're like, man, Big Sean, that, that dude that did the, the booty song. I'm like, no, I know. I know. Trust me. Exactly. But yep. listen to the album. <laughs> <laughs> listen, trust yeah. me. Yeah. They don't trust me. Yeah, Dark Sky. <laughs> no one trust me. Yeah. I mean, just, whoa. I mean, again, because I, I, I downloaded, so it was it was free. And so I mm-hmm. I just listened to it. I just dove into it and was like, let me check this out. And I was I was unbelievably surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how much I was yeah. like, I want to listen to this one again. Um, yep. You know, Paradise. I mean, mm-hmm. Paradise. He just he just kills that song and the beat and mm-hmm. you know and then the joint with uh with the guy sample. You know, I loved how he flipped that, and it's just a lot of good moments on that album that I really enjoy. And lyrically, he has been bringing it. Like, he has been bringing it. From Hall of Fame to yeah. Dark Sky Paradise, he's bringing it. Um, the you know, the things he's, he's done he did before that I just, yes, yes. And it was the same evolution Wayne went through. You know what I mean? A lot of yeah. younger guys, I used to kind of feel that way about Wayne because I came up with Cash Money was like, it, right, that was my senior year of high school. Juvenile dropped 500 degrees, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you know, Little Wayne was on there. I'm like, eh, okay, yeah, I'm not really excited. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, Doobie's the show. You know, Juvenile is the show. You know what I mean? And as Little Wayne, you know, you get to 2002, 2003, and everybody's just bugging over you know the drought mixtapes and everything that Wayne yeah. is doing. I'm like, this is Little Wayne. <laughs> right, yeah. little dude, from yeah, him. bling bling, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? And that then you, again, you start listening to it, and you're like, "Yo, dude got better." <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's not something that you. Re- I, I don't know. If, I don't know if we've ever really had guys do that, where they like come out at a certain point and have actually like you've been able to see a progression in their craft, and guys have gotten better at rapping. Yep. And I see that with Big Sean. I, he he is really, and he's found he's found and distinguished himself stylistically. Um, I, I really like. I really enjoy a lot what a lot of what he's doing right now. Uh, some guys yeah. who I left off: Big Crit, Currency, um, Joy Badass. I love Joy Badass. Um, mm-hmm. So those are some guys that I, you know, Royce, obviously another dude. I, I you know, that Prime uh, with him and uh, Premier is another excellent project. But uh, yeah. I, I again, it, it drives me bonkers when folks say that hip hop is dead, man. You're just not looking hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> like like like, like the great most deaf said, you know, people ask me how hip hop's doing. Like you want to ask how hip hop's doing? How are you doing? How we doing? How are you doing? <laughs> you yeah. know, if we're doing good, hip hop's doing good. You know, if we do. It's like so people say hip hop is dead. I was like, are we dead? Are we? Are, have we just crawled up into a hole and stopped consuming music and stopped partying? I was like, no. So. That whole thing was overblown. Uh, it aggravated me for at least three years. When people are like, hip-hop's a hit. I'm like, this is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So I'm glad that that's no longer a thing people are saying because it was dumb to begin yeah. with. And as you can see from this list, like this this five right here is a strong five. Your five, my five, strong five. It's a lot, a lot of good things to look diverse. forward to. There's more good music than I can diverse. listen to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So... I think that's a great spot to conclude this first edition. 
of hustle and flows. Um, it's been good talking with you, man. You know, we we kind of chop it up more um, in between the shows, in between the podcasts. And, you know, as we build that kind of rapport, I think this is going to be uh, highly enjoyable for me and you, but hopefully more enjoyable for the listeners out there. So, again, I appreciate you coming on. This is Hustle and Flows with the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, signing off, game changer, say cool, any words on your way out? No, looking forward to it, man. And I'm glad we don't have to fight because we agree on Biggie. Hey, we're good there. I'm, I'm sure we'll find some <laughs> diverging points at some point in this, in this endeavor. Right now, you know, we're, we're two peas in a pod. <laughs> yeah, all right. So take care, man. I'll hook up with you. Next show will be coming in December, so check that out. We're going to try and hit you off with one per month um, as we go through this. So be on the lookout, hustling flows. Marcus, say cool. We're going to keep it high for you. Until next time, peace. Peace. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.